With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop with you. This is the Captain's Run for State Transport. Our people are your solution. And Werribee, Izuzu, Ute. Big day of sport, isn't it? Uh, semi-final of the men's singles at the Australian Open. And day two of the second test between Australia and the West Indies. You can hear it here live from 2 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Jared Waitley and the team. The West Indies resuming at 8 for 266. A big part of the team is Steve O'Keefe, who joins us. Hello, Steve. Good morning, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, more importantly? How's retirement? <laughs> uh, oh, look, if you if you tune into the coverage on SDN, the amount of times I'm saying back in my day, you know, <laughs> harder Well, 48 hours uh, ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, no, look, I, I'm enjoying it. I had a thoroughly good night the other night versus the Heat. Um, it was the perfect night barring the win. Uh, but the Heat were deserved winners. Uh, but straight back on the tools, uh, flew out the day after. Uh, up here to watch the Aussies take on the West Indies. And I'm very glad I'm up here because it's a, an entertaining contest uh, thus far. And Spencer Johnson came up to you straight after the match was finished. Uh, what did he say to you? Um, oh, look, you know, I saw Spencer when he was bowling and he's such an intimidating style character, you know. He's got those piercing blue eyes. <laughs> um, but but don't, be, don't be fooled. He means business when he's got ball in hand. So I, sometimes I might have a few words to say because I know I'm tucked away down at 11, but uh, when I walked out there, I thought maybe he might, might have got stuck into me, but he just said, you know, congratulations on your career before I even faced my first ball. And what I thought was really nice um, at the end is that, yeah, he came up to me and shook my hand and said, you know, congratulations on a wonderful career. And, um, you know, that just speaks homage of that whole Heat team, really. They're, you know, there's not an ego amongst any of them. And, and I think a large part of their success is um, because of that. You know, they just get in, get the job done and, um, like I said, it, it really was a great night. If we had to lose to a team, I'm glad it was the Heat because they're, you know, they, they are really are a wonderful group of players. Just on Spencer, before we get stuck into the Test match, I mean, he's he's made his debut for Australia in the one-day format. We've seen what he can do in the T20 game. He's had a remarkable rise in just 18 months. Is is this a Test cricketer in the making? I have no doubt. Yeah, look, I think there might have been a few question marks on on him when he first came onto the scene, because we really hadn't seen too much of him. And you can, you can read a little bit too much into, you know, 2020 cricket, he only bowled four overs and, you know, he was exciting and bowled with pace. But what I've seen, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months is a guy um, growing confidence and in skill, you know, uh, he can swing the new ball up front. He bowls over 140 Ks. And I, I haven't been this excited about a left armor since Mitchell Stark, um, so I think he'll be managed, you know, he's got a lot of opportunity with white ball cricket. He's, he went for, you know, the hefty sum of $1.8 million in the IPL. He's going to have a lot of cricket coming up. I really hope that he does focus on his 
um, red ball cricket um, and want to play test cricket. Um, because like I said, I've not seen a quick, this exciting since Mitchell Stark. And I think he really does have the potential to be one of the Australian all-time greats. Very early on, big call, I know, but um, such is what I think of him. Like it. Uh, Mitch Stark uh, passed the 350 wicket mark yesterday, uh, four for 68. Uh, so obviously terrible start for the West Indies, five for 64. And then the 149 run stand between Hodge and De Silva. What, what was the key to that partnership, uh, do you think, between uh, the two middle order, order batters who did a great job? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, record partnership uh, against the pink ball, taking over uh, Darwin Milan and Joe Root. Um, came in at tricky circumstances, as you said, at 5 to 64, and the Aussies let them have it. Josh Hazelwood started um, uh, bowling to De Silva. Uh, you know, they think he's quite a compulsive puller and hooker of the ball. There were three men out. Um, you know, the Aussies used their bumpers sparingly, but decided to go on the attack, uh, mainly because of this pink ball. After about 15 to 20 overs, once it softens up, it can be uh, a little bit easier for batting. So they had it, didn't have it their own way earlier on. They, they showed a lot of resilience that we haven't seen from a lot of teams that have come over here in recent years. Um, dug in deep, and then it was their ability just to get off strike. Um, you know, they were turning over the strike. I think between them, the Aussies might have only bowled nine or ten maidens for the day, which would have been frustrating um, for them. And then when the quicks did over pitch and get aggressive, they really did hurt them down the ground. And um, it was a beautiful partnership. I'm sure De Silva would be a little bit frustrated with his dismissal. Nathan Lyon toiled away, you know, really hard. And it was just before the second new ball, um, you know, when the lights had taken over, artificial lights had taken over at the ground and Nathan Lyon was able to pick up that big wicket. So, um, yeah, they were able just to apply pressure for longer periods of time. It wasn't like they went out of, you know, with their comfort zone with their batting stroke play. They just did it and continued to do it for a good session and a half. Chatting to Steve O'Keefe, a big part of the SEN Test cricket team for this test between Australia and the West Indies. So we know it's such an inexperienced Windies lineup. Half the touring team hadn't played a test before this series. We know they're missing some players that have chosen to play the shorter form that would be in this test team. But we had a texter before just saying he, he, he likes to look at this West Indian team. It's got potentially the makings of a a decent uh, test team if they can keep them together and keep them playing red ball or pink ball cricket. Do you, do you think the same? I do. Yeah, look, um, I, I'm looking through the batting card and, you know, their top six um, outside of uh, Graves, you know, were able to face over 20 balls. Um, Athenae's there's been big raps on him as a, a young talent um, coming through the West Indian pathways, along with Kurt McKenzie. And McKenzie showed signs of it. Um, wasn't afraid to take Nathan Lyon, Nathan Lyon on early. Took him over long on. A beautiful sweep shot. Just one shot too many and nicked off um, to Pat Cummins. Um, and we've seen what Chanderpaul's been able to do when he toured out here last time. Um, what they're expecting, though, I think, this West Indies side is the likes of Craig Brathwaite. As you said, there's a lot of inexperience in that top six, but he has played over 88 tests. His numbers read fantastically well, but has really struggled in Australian conditions. I think if a player like him was able to step up potentially in the second innings and let these other youngsters bat around him. Um, I think it's got the, the, the hallmarks of the side, yeah, that if they can stay together, he's going to have a lot more success. Their bowling unit, we know, bowled Australia out um, in Adelaide and they'll be drawing on that confidence um, when they have to bowl at some stage today. You mentioned the Australian batting and as a unit, they probably haven't fired, you know, in the tests against Pakistan and West Indies. There's a lot of focus, obviously, on Steve Smith and there'll be a lot of focus on Cam Green, given they're in new positions. But just as a unit, how have you sort of analysed our summer so far? 
Yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, we're used to Australian batters, particularly at home, dominating. Um, you know, I was interested in reading Steve Smith's thoughts on a few of the pitches that they've played on, which have been quite tricky um, at times. Uh, I don't see that about this Gabba wicket. So I'm really excited. You know, it's been a bold move by selectors to move Steve Smith up to opening batter, even though he, his numbers suggest he could probably bat anywhere. Um, and Cameron Green at four, well, I still think that's Australia's best 11. Uh, looking at this Gabba wicket, um, once that new ball does go soft, I think this is going to be very, very friendly for batters. And I think there will be a lot of guys um, who have had maybe a lean summer or not up to expectations to be looking to fill their boots. So, look, I think this is Australia's best 11. Um, I have absolute, you know, 100% confidence um, in that top six. We know Mitchell Marsh is playing great cricket. Travis Head. His rearguard 100 shows us that he's in form. Um, so, yeah, today's going to be an intriguing day. I'm really keen to see Steve Smith shape up against this pink ball. I think there's some question marks over his technique, as different as it is, against a moving ball. And I think, you know, the first 12 overs is when it all happens with the pink ball. So um, that's a test I know that he'll be relishing. Um, and if he can get through that, I think he's the sort of guy who will really, um, you know, make amends for any uh, misfortune he might have had during the year and, and hopefully go big with a big 100. Speaking of the pink ball, interesting comments from Nathan Lyon after the day's play yesterday saying that he would prefer the Gabba to be a, a red ball test and not a pink ball test. He, he, he likes it in Adelaide better. Well, what's your view on how many pink ball tests we should be playing in the summer? Are you happy just to have it in Adelaide or would you like to see potentially the Gabba become a regular pink ball test? Um, I mean, they are interesting comments. I, I really do like the pink ball at Adelaide. I think they've got a great recipe there. Um, yes, the test is shorter and you're more used to, say, run scores of 200, but they have a method that works. And generally, it's an 8 miller grass on the wicket, a bit of a green coverage as it's a drop-in pitch. And um, I think it was starting to become a bit iconic at Adelaide. You had the beautiful marquees out the back um, and they set it up almost like a race day. You could sort of watch the cricket passively while you're out the back mingling with friends. Look, I'm not against the Gabba having a pink ball test. I love our summer starting at the Gabba. Any team that comes over here, if yep. you look down the list, you see Australian at the Gabba, you're like, oh, here we go, because of the pace and bounce. Um, potentially, you could fit two in. I'd like to see it stick at Adelaide. I'm curious to see how it pans out here um, at the Gabba, but I'm probably leaning more towards Nathan Lyon. I love it being a red ball ground, um, just because we've had success in Adelaide. But look, I think the future of test cricket might be day-night cricket. Mm. If that's what engages the fans and allows people to come to cricket after work, people can get home from work, tune in and watch it. It's a fascinating contest. The ball does different things in different parts of the day. Twilight can be quite tricky at night. You know, it looks like Haley's Comet coming down when the batters are facing up to it. And, of course, you've got the, the middle period in the light where it tends to be a little bit easier for batting. So, um, you know, I'd say Adelaide first. If we have had to have a second one, then I think the Gabba's uh, showing and holding up really well for a, a possible other candidate. What's it like for the spinners bowling with the pink ball at night? Is it is it more difficult? I think it's it's generally the wicket will dictate terms. And, and Nathan Lyon, we know he gets lovely uh, drop and spin and bounce. It was a really docile pitch for him yesterday. He tried as much as he could. He was over around the wicket. Um, but as that ball got soft, it really wasn't reacting off the surface for him at all. So I think it plays in line with how the quicks have it. Um, you know, the quicks struggled to get any movement through the air or off the wicket after about the 20 over mark, and the spinners probably had the same sort of luck. Um, but again, at night time, if you've got a new harder ball, that ball is going to react. So uh, the, the hard part for a spinner is trying to get the ball in your hands because if it's swinging and moving off the wicket, they'll stick to the quicks. 
Um, and unfortunately for Nathan, he has to sort of do a holding roll through the middle, not let the scoreboard get away, um, you know, until there's another opportunity to uh, attack. And just before I let you go, given the way the West Indies fought back yesterday, as you said, the pitch looks good for batting. So Australia could bat for long periods and the fact there might be some weather coming. We, we've potentially got five days in us here. We do. We do. We, you know, we were discussing that yesterday and a lot of the talk around the combat, you know, 564, yes, there'll be a bit of a partnership and then, you know, we expect the West Indies to fall into a heap, don't we? You know, let's call an Argus review. An opposition team's batted longer than a day in Australia. Heaven forbid. <laughs> um, so I, I'm intrigued. You know, it's a great content. This is what we expect of touring teams to come over. It's test cricket. This is the expectation that when your team's up against it, that you're able to show some sort of rearguard action. And we saw that yesterday. Uh, from Hodge and De Silva. And, you know, I, I personally think the West Indies have got their noses in front. Beautiful partnership at the back end of the day from Alzari Joseph. Took the new ball on. Um, sort of mentality, I'll get you before you get me. 32. If the West Indies can get above 300 uh, with this bowling attack, they'll be keen to get the pink ball in their hands, um, show and try and provide the same damage they did in Adelaide. Um, you know, the Aussies have, have, have got some work to do. Steve, always great to catch up. And, yeah, maybe just lay off on the back-in-my-day uh, comments today. You're still very much a current player. You've been retired for 48 hours. You don't have to go back like that. Appreciate the advice, Jules.